Springfield, Illinois hits Walmart with a $50,000 fine for allowing truck parking. Safeway delivery drivers make history with a newly ratified union contract. We interview Senator Bob Corker about Trump's tariffs. And 162 transportation and logistics companies made the 2018 Inc. 5000 list. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we talk about all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. What's up, dude? How you doing this week? Good, man. Good. Good. Uh, what you already sipping on? Already correct. You already know, and it's already open. Well, I could have guessed, uh, but you do have it in with a, little, a cute little koozie there. Yeah, Mackenzie Rebels, my wife's uh, hometown uh, team. Shout out to Mackenzie. Shout out to Mackenzie, Tennessee. Um, yeah, Bell's Two Hearted from Comstock, Michigan, the old standard. Okay, well. What you sipping on, Chad? Well, kind of something pretty mainstream, dude. Uh, I've had many a keg of this. I feel like, uh, I mean, it's a Sweetwater IPA, you know, the one in the yellow can. Um, you know, oh, I like it much better than the 420, by the way. You do? Yeah. I find, yeah, you know, um, it's uh, to me, I know the 420 is more available. It seems like I, it's always around. But do I know? I, I like this one. It's a little more, fl- but see, you say you don't like the California floral hoppy. That's kind of to no. me what this is a little bit more. Uh, anyway, uh, it's yeah, I fine. I, I like Thanks the floral hops. I don't like the, the, when they like punch you in the face with like super like, uh, oh. like bit, like bitter. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, eh, right. Uh, you know, who does? I don't like being punched in the face. <laughs> anyway, no, it's been the summer of the IPA. It's funny. I don't know. It's cool, man. All right. Well, well, I, I, I feel like I've. I've about got to start drinking when we're faced with so many, um, you know, difficult headlines. Like, yeah. What about this? Uh, you know, I'll just say, what the truck, Springfield? Are you thinking <laughs> right. with this fine? I mean, w- you look at Walmart, right? They've got what fifty four hundred locations. Fifty four hundred locations spread out all across the country, and half of them, roughly. Have yeah, have parking le- available for trucks. Yeah, they let truckers park there overnight. Twenty seven hundred locations, and you know, while it's, this is kind of an interesting story to us because Walmart, a lot of times, you know, it's, they're kind of like can't live with them, can't live without them. Carriers want the volume, you know, the consistent volumes. They know they might get screwed on some. Well, specifically, let's let's say what the story is, right? Like, like what has happened? What is the what is the town of Springfield, Illinois, uh, done? Springfield has said that the Walmart in Springfield needs to lengthen its the lines in the parking lot and do a couple of things like have some response, a couple of you know piddly little piddly, landscaping things. Yeah. Walmart kind of blew them off and was like, "Hey, we're letting our truck drivers park here." Like, whether you know whatever it's our sorry pro- it's we our, can't paint the lines yet. It's our property. And Springfield hit them with a $50,000 fine for not complying. And, you know, yeah, it's just, like, like I said, like a lot of times Walmart, it, it, in driver-centric stories, Walmart's kind of the bad guy. Whether they're imposing these, <laughs> these tight delivery windows where you pay a right. fine if you're, early, if you're late. Da, da, da. But in this story, like, they're, you know, it's, we talk about the driver parking issue all the time. We talk about how... In we the data, do. if you look in um, our... And how cell- ELDs are actually, you know, like making it harder to hit some of these windows. And how parking 
is like a number one problem right now for truckers. It's a number one problem. And we've seen in the sonar data in our in our platform that, you know, hours of service utilization shrinks when people are worried about finding places to park. They, right. they, they end up looking for parking for like almost an hour a day. I think that's it on average. And um, so and I think it see, impacts driver <clears throat> retention. And I think some of the older guys have gotten sick of it. I mean, they're mostly guys, but the older drivers uh, are just worn out. So it's certainly not helping turnover. And then in the face of this capacity crunch and all of these things. Exactly. And so, so you see one of the biggest shippers in the country with this really wide geographic footprint, you know, distributed throughout all the population centers, the rural areas. I mean, yeah, I mean, if they're, they're I mean, offering yeah. up this parking, yeah. and these local city governments are, you know, just trying to like, oh, let's hit up Walmart for fifty grand. Oh, is that what they think? That they're they're. I, I'm not. It, it seems uh, uh, just tone deaf would be you know or did they not think that the media would really like know or is they, or are they, they embarrassed now that, they don't know the issue that they're interjecting themselves into. they might not uh it's like a triangle too if we think about this story and that's kind of one of the things that i think particularly makes it interesting it's like a love triangle well not really but it's you know, it's the dramatic triangle, and it's 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 Springfield, uh, the town of Springfield, and it's drivers and truckers, and it's Walmart. And as you pointed out, Walmart in this case uh, is kind of the good guy. I do want to have one <clears throat> critique, though. I feel like if about Walmart's position here, I feel like they're kind of in in a lot of respects reluctant parking. You know, like get, reluctantly providing their lots with uh, all of this parking. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, in a lot of cases they have decimated, you know, like, you know, beautiful communities building their gigantic parking lots where they weren't always even wanted. It's the least they can do to make them, right. you know, to yeah. utilize them for yeah. truckers of which they use all the time. Right. And to their credit, like there aren't that many shipper locations where, you know, you bump the dock, you unload and then you have... You know, a parking. nice, a nice, well-lighted, secure, play, safe place to park. Which would make you more <clears> of a preferred shipper. And you're right. right. There's not and enough it, of them. And of course, I'm sure, you know, Walmart is you know, open 24-7 and they're hoping you'll stop in and, and buy some of their stuff, too. <laughs> you but, know what? There is that, I think. But um, I remember because I remember a couple of years ago, I took the family out on this like RV trip, you know, rented this Class C RV. It was a just a jalopy i mean but anyway i won't get into that but one of the things i looked <laughs> that into that sounds like a story for another episode right <laughs> but uh but 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 you know before i did some advanced intel because i was like these 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 rv campgrounds are kind of expensive and, and, and i was like well walmart has these free you know but looking looking into it really hard to plan around it it's like on a case by case situation you have to call the walmart is yeah. this really a good place where you can get? and sometimes they would put you on hold forever sometimes they would say yes sometimes no i gave up but i mean if that that's just my tiny little bit of experience right <clears throat> well so you know ashley coker really did all the work for this story yeah, she she's did. the one shout out to ashley it's been a huge story on freight waves yeah this week. My, by far the most traffic we story this week to, 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 um and she she pointed out that you know, this app that's widely used by drivers, Trucker Path, when they first started out, they individually called every single Walmart in the country to figure out whether they were trucker friendly or not. 
And so there are. I forgot about that. Yeah, there are yeah. some people who have done the legwork, and you know, I think truckers. That's right. That's have, a, big, have a sense, big thing they did. Have a sense path. of of what which Walmart is you know um, hospitable, which ones aren't. And is that how we know that there's twenty seven hundred of the fifty four hundred? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, well, that's a great driver story in terms of. Hey, let's get behind them. Let's like let, let's also, let's make some noise and let's fight. Maybe maybe we can turn this into a positive of like, hey, everybody, bring attention to this issue. Right, because it's like when you think about it, it's just out of all of the ways that the federal and state governments are trying to make allowances to keep this economy rolling, to ease the capacity crunch. You have these little cities that are just doing these boneheaded things and overstepping right. overstepping their bounds and trying to tell a corporation what to do with its private property when there it's, is that. when it's being generous and trying to mm. you know help out drivers excellent it's, it's crazy. i think that's a good summary of the yeah. story well said um the second story uh, that we wanted to cover is actually also a driver-related story. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, also kind of a, by Ashley Coker. <clears throat> not really a uh, over-the-road, no. uh, you know, kind of class A driver story, but this is about the Safeway uh, delivery drivers who do last-mile uh, grocery deliveries, right, um, to people's houses and stuff like that. Um, is it, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is the um, the the actually, you know, kind of like the last mile delivery industry is an industry. You, yeah, it's, you know, it's a huge industry. We don't often talk about these particular drivers and into like there's a little bit of attention being given to to it like I think, you know, the actually the um the the, the California Supreme Court stuff actually indirectly perhaps touches on this issue right, because right. of the abuses from the gig economy in using part-time employees. That's what the, that's why this story's big. It's only 90 uh, drivers that unionized for Safeway. Uh, right. 90. That's right. we wouldn't even consider that a big deal and big deal or little deal. Right. right. But the, the, the implications is that could this be a trend? Could others follow this? Like in the end, what what did these what did these uh, overworked drivers get? But they just got like uh, slight bumps in pay that were like entirely justified. They get a, access to a little bit more, you know, health insurance they feel a little bit more sense of job security. <laughs> like um, these things. Yeah, but um, what is, what's interesting is that even in the most flexible, contingent, casual part of the gig economy, we're seeing that drivers actually still have like like the, the leverage. Yes, leverage. That that's is what they're that's, starting that's, to That's have really here. what's interesting about this story. That's I right. I totally agree. Because um, when you look at the last mile landscape, you see government employees like USPS. Right, the postal service. Yes, you see unionized employees like UPS. You see XPO that has its own little niche of handling, like you know, the yeah. big, bulky, awkward home. You know, your, your refrigerator, your your washer and dryer, that kind of stuff. But other than that, there's a lot of experimentation. A lot of people are trying to figure out how do we do last mile? How do we get it right? How do we make money on it? Because it's really damn Tricky. hard to make money 
saying that I'll deliver to your doorstep no matter where you live. You know, that's why tight the, the, in this world of tight margins where freight costs are rising as the economy is rising, right. that, that's why like that's why transparency, visibility, increase true increased efficiency, be, right. you know, a lot of times are improvements in our infrastructure, but what we often emphasize is technology are so stinking important to start getting right and making some changes. Yeah, yeah. And people are trying to figure out how to do last mile with technology. But one of the things about the Safeway, uh, Safeway story, this yes. is also Ashley's story, Yes, right? it is. Um, so check it out on freightwaves.com, is that one of the solutions of how do we make money doing last delivery is like, oh, we'll just put all the costs on the driver. We'll make them use their personal vehicle. We won't, we'll, we'll pay them, you know, just whatever. We won't insure them. You know, it's what everything is dump all the costs onto them. We'll know now right. even even the capacity crunch, even the, the sort of driver scarcity is kind of rearing its head in yeah. this space because, they, because so. they're, they're, they're organizing, they're unionizing and they're developing and improving their own working conditions. Hmm. Yeah. In that sense, it's it's like a wave. It's happening. Um it's a, it's a really uh, interesting sort of you know micro uh, right, win- like window micro into into this the, yeah. into this whole uh, industry and the way it's changing. Well, I, I actually um, find it fascinating to keep talking about, but as we uh, but but read the story and uh, help you know like help keep the trend alive for the little guys. Uh, the um, you today uh, had um, uh, a really cool interview with Senator. Corker, um, yep. and, and well, tell us a few about these a few of these things. So, so what did he say? We interviewed Senator Bob Corker, Republican from Tennessee, uh, former mayor of Chattanooga. Still, obviously, has a home in Chattanooga. He's told me on the call he was biking the uh, Riverwalk uh, yesterday morning. <laughs> yeah, my wife had a yoga class with him a, a few months ago. That's funny. Yeah, so. It was really cool. He gets he gets um, around uh, sh- all over. Shout out to um, Ken Smith, our chief technology officer. Ken Smith, for, way to go, man! He's all also happens to be the chairman of the Chattanooga City Council. He just called him up. He helped arrange this interview, uh, and shout out to Mariah Baker for being on the call and transcribing. It was really cool to talk to Corker because. Um, Basically, yesterday he so he's been one of the leading voices in the Republican Senate pushing back against the Trump administration's tariffs. I, what I love about what he's to, he told you just just is it's so reasonable, like yeah. it's so measured, reasonable, right? Um, and, yeah, and it's and so one of the things that he has a really big issue with is the Trump administration invoking section. Um, 232 of this particular trade bill that was passed in 1974 to impose tariffs on our friends and allies. And section 232 basically says that, okay, nor, you know, it says normally, of course, we know that Congress is responsible for revenues and tariffs, right? right? It has to be legislated, but But in cases of national security, national security, we want to, you know, make that process more efficient and let the White House unilaterally impose these tariffs. I know. I re- and, and, and you can <clears throat> and always that, justify it that way. That's I the know, thing. But here's the thing. When we imposed tariffs on aluminum and steel from the EU, oh, Canada, yeah. and Mexico, 
there was and Trump justified it by invoking this section 232 national security. There's no national security justification for no, it. I, and so I, Cor- I Corker so. was telling us, he's like, look, we consider that an abuse of, of power of his authority. Like we, you know, now that he did that, we have to take a little bit, we have to push back. We have to take a little bit of power back and his amendment, he, he's tried to attach this Corker bill or this Corker amendment to a couple of different um, pieces of legislation. The timing hasn't been exactly right. So he tried to attach it to the uh, defense, okay. def, you know, the Department of Defense Authorization Act. Didn't, didn't, they, didn't, didn't, they, didn't want, they didn't want that kind of, you know, political, they didn't want to politicize the bill in that way and cause drama. I see. Wow. And so they, 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 you know, I think uh, the timing had to be majority right. leader McConnell kind of took it out, but now it's attached to the FAA reauthorization. Um, gotcha. And the idea is like, if you want to use Section 232, now you have to come to Congress. And I think that he feels like they've got his attention because their bill has already, uh, you know, had the procedural vote that was overwhelmingly passed. Yeah, they, they, they passed a non-binding right? vote saying that, like, look, if you're going to start doing this and you keep going down this road of using this kind of, you know... BS justification for these tariffs, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we're eventually going to step in and do something. Going deeper and deeper into this, uh, <clears throat> down and he, this hole. <clears throat> he had a lot of things to say right. about just the, you know, his frustration with the administration's approach to these tariffs. He said that, you know, the, the quote was, ready, fire, aim. Like they don't, because I was like, how? No, that's how the president's currently. There's no strategy. It's yeah, just ready, fire, and yeah. So I was at the first question I asked um, Senator Corker was, "What is the administration's end goal with these tariffs? What's their objective?" And he was like, "Well, yeah." He said, "Well, they that's can't. Good question. They can't articulate it. So therefore, certainly, I can't articulate it." He's like, "They don't know what they're doing. They say they're yeah. doing it to get leverage on these countries." They can't even. We can def- speculate, but but they, they, they don't. Know. They, don't, they know. don't know either. Yeah, and so yeah. he said they can't even define the behavior changes they want from our trading partners at the end of this process. So, you know, that was interesting. Um, I think you, you know. We're, we're, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I um, it reminds me. I, you know, this has hasn't gone well. Um, you know, the severe trade approach in 1980 with Jimmy Carter. When when he tried to severely restrict trade with Russia with uh, over grain, I believe mm, it was mm. that went terribly wrong for the Carter administration and really for the U.S. If if for nothing else, like it be we began to show that we're not a reliable trade partner. Right. We're history is repeating itself. We have not learned from the mistakes of the past. And you know what happened in that case is Brazil and other suppliers yep, yep. immediately stepped in. Yep. And that actually helped establish their very industries today. Right. You know? And that's one of the really, I think, um, insightful points that uh, Senator Corker made was that once you put tariffs on somebody and they retaliate. Yeah. Like. Who gets punished? But that's. Everybody does. Yeah, right. But like, for example, in. I don't know what Corker's point was. I'm sorry. Yeah. So in um, the case of the retaliatory tariff that China put on. U.S. agricultural yeah. products, including soybeans. Now they're getting their soybeans from Brazil. Right. Right. And oh, and the Trump administration is subsidizing soy farmers. Yeah. Is that really? That, that's like, a whole other thing. But right. but like basically, he's saying that once 
those markets shift and the supply chains yeah, shift, they're gone. Yeah, they don't come back. Not anytime why, why soon. Why would they? Yeah. And that's one of the concerns I remember reading in, in the in the interview that uh, that that Corker has is like, can we get this you know passed because we don't want to be midstream. Yeah. We want, as I understand, he was like, right. let's let's stop it before it gets going. Yeah. And he, that's what he said, too. He, he said, you know, I'm 65 years old. I've never witnessed, like, a full-fledged trade war in my lifetime. I don't exactly know, you know, yeah. what it looks like and how to recognize, you know, the, the inflection point or the tipping point. But he said, my sense is that they start off gradually, then something occurs, and relations deteriorate very rapidly, and there's a lot of economic damage. <sighs> Scary. In a time of abundance and optimism. Uh, can we segue off of this? Yeah, yeah. Because there is some optimism and some excitement. If um, you look at our uh, just article that, you know, are uh, some of our summary or takeaways of the 2018 Inc. 5000 list that was released yesterday, we observed that 162 transportation and logistics companies... Uh, you know, are are listed among amongst these five thousand. That's a lot. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of takeaways from this thirty seventh annual report. Um. You know, there's a whole lot of interesting stats. One of the things we're you know particularly excited about is just how um, Freight Alley in Chattanooga. Uh, are so strongly represented by some significant winners. Uh, in Chattanooga alone, number 400 was Trident, 415 was Link America, uh, Reliance. They fell from, I think, 4, 461 to 591, but they're growing. So right, the right, measure they're, they're of this, growing like, fast. They're right, growing right. really they're still fast. still the fastest growing companies in America. And they, they actually provide insurance to 16 of these very logistics companies. Nice. Um, nice. Steam. Uh, yeah, know, Steam Logistics, the, the, the freight forwarders. And they've, um, they've right had one of their hometown. most. They right in our hometown. And they, the freight forwarder, thank you. Um, yeah, international shipping. And nobody else does that in Chattanooga. Um, it's a difficult industry to crack. Yeah, it's super labor intensive, and, super complex. And even though they're in the 1400s on the list, they have had an exceptional 2018, lots of growth, and expected to continue to be explosive. So that's just right here in Chattanooga. But do you want to give us some an yeah. overview of the yeah. list? Yeah, so Chad, this was your article. I would just recommend our listeners check out that article. There's a really cool map. Uh, that shows the distribution of the transportation and logistics companies in America yeah, that inc- made the list. And you can see what's so cool about this industry. It's is a cool that interactive map. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you so can you, look at it in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you can, you can pick it by like sector or whatever, a ge- geographic area, et cetera. But if you look at just the transport and logistics companies, they're really widely distributed across America. This isn't like, yeah. you know, the software in Silicon Valley or the finance in New York. Um, it's everywhere that people are, there are exciting growth opportunities in these companies. Um, they're, you know, as an industry, transport and logistics services has um, grown faster than GDP for, you know, decades. And it's it's just a really vibrant 
you know, rich sector. Yeah, what uh, number one of the entire Inc. 5000 list was Swan Leap. A uh, they leapt very high up the rankings, uh, and they were a tra- they are a transportation and logistics company, more AI focused. I'm going to interview the CEO tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So we'll give them some love in their own due time. But um, another very high-ranking uh, winner, I guess I'll call them, uh, is was is Edge Logistics. Right. They were number forty-six. Yeah. And right. uh, I got a. You, you corresponded with uh, their CEO William Kerr, right? Right, uh, and he 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 noted uh, also. He said we were five in transportation and logistics, but we're number one out of people who move domestic freight, and we're hiring. He said, <laughs> nice, nice. of course. <laughs> which, which I think actually leads into one of the things of there is this there is this incredible growth in the industry. The industry is becoming like just they're riding the wave of tech. And you know what right. that's going to mean? Higher competition for talent. Yep. Higher, like, yeah. Well, higher paychecks for people who can do tech and supply chain. Um, interesting. You know, we're not see- obviously we're not seeing actual trucking carriers on this list because we know what's stopping them from growing. You know, the driver shortage. <laughs> um, yeah. Good point. But these these three PLs and these brokerages. Are you know, killing it on revenue, you know, year over year. You have to, you have to have been a company at least four years to be on this prestigious list. Um, but you know, this is being on this list is a very good thing. Yeah, I think Many you, major you, companies have been even like uh, like Bill Gates list. said that like Microsoft, some of the early attention that they got back in like the eighties was from being included on this list. This is a thought. This is a thought, kind of an observation. It's like, so while talent, you know, there may be a a bit of a dearth of talent in this like uh, boom time in the economy in general, but do you think that this it like to it's hip to be on you know the list of Inc. Five Thousand? Oh it's, yeah, it's hip to be oh, tech. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, is this kind of begin the the beginning of of a trend overall in just logistics and transportation? I mean, besides the fact that we're making it cool, like on what the truck. <laughs> do you do you think that there is like maybe a a wave of there is going to be talent because tech talent and 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 others i do um, i do i do think so i think okay. that um with when you look at it, like machine because a lot of these brokerages and a lot of these 3pls you know in decades prior were hampered by the labor intensive manual processes that it took to move goods from one point to another yeah. to coordinate all the changing of hands and stuff like that. And, they, and they're way like, behind. They're way behind in tech. Right. S- and, slow adopters. But, you know, there every 10 years, there's a new wave of people who come out and say, you know, whether it's, I feel yeah. like it's a double wave. Like I feel like there's a there's so many. Fa- it's like it's more. Yeah. It's a big. It feels like more than just an every ten year cycle. Right. I mean, it's like well, like Echo, for example, in Chicago was like the original like tech disruptor in the brokerages. They they came out in like you know the two thousand early two thousands, and then like Redwood was around the same time. And okay. Then, then you get like later iterations like convoy and uber freight that are doing the same th- you know oh yeah that, that are like 10 years ahead of, you know start off 10 years later yeah like i see it's, it that way it's yeah. really interesting um and so when you look at like the progress that's being made in machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and, and things like blockchain yeah um things like 
big data analytics. Yeah, that's, that's sexy. That's I what like these that. new companies are being able to leverage and take advantage of and grow much faster than what we would what we called you know, we, we we call them the, the the old like voice brokers like basically people <laughs> people people with a phone right um the, their death has been imminent for yeah and know, they're just not months. you can't if you want to build a and brokerage if you want to build a brokerage or a 3PL that grows quickly it, you have to be tech oriented in every aspect of, of the organization. And I think it's making it hip to be square. And uh, and that's where we are leaving off on our headlines of the week. JP, it's time to continue killing it in the way that we kill it. On big deal, little deal, what's the deal with you? What is the deal with you today? You're on fire! <laughs> no, like, it's, it's all good, no, man. Is it? Well, I know, it's all good, man. All right. All, all right. right. Are you, Are you ready? We're timing as of now. Home Depot sees higher costs as tight transport markets bite retailer. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal. Um, shippers are going to keep feeling the pain for the foreseeable future because we don't think this trucking cycle is going to end anytime soon. Universal Logistics adds to its intermodal and drayage business with Southern County's purchase. Big deal or little deal? I'd say it's a little deal. Um, they are you know, a well-known consolidator and they just keep tucking in. Redwood Games raised 75k for bets with PTSD. Big deal or little deal? That's a big deal. It's cool. Redwood um, has a great culture. Um, they work hard. They play hard, and they're they're uh, doing it for a reason. Will Berkshire Hathaway buy Southwest Airlines? Morgan Stanley weighs in. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal. Uh, Warren Buffett has talked about his desire to purchase an airline for quite some time. It makes sense, and it's probably one of the only size acquisitions that can really move the needle on their growth. Solar Farms, CO2, and Mobile Racking, part of the journey as RLS Logistics transforms traditional cold storage. Big deal or little <laughs> Easy deal. for you to say. Big deal, solar energy, advanced refrigerant technologies, and specialized racking systems combined is when you start to see the big picture. Uber sees 38 percent yearly increase in gross bookings as it gears up to face competition big deal or little deal big deal is the company's in a decisive fight for dominance in the scooter sharing business and competition increases how one little autonomous shuttle in quebec thinks it can big deal or little deal little deal for now it's just one 15 passenger shuttle that goes 25 miles an hour under a two mile distance Warburg Pincus puts $35 million into startup targeting drayage and short-haul markets. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. That's a lot of money. Their second round in their platform helps carriers communicate with shippers. <laughs> we got it. We did it again. I didn't know oh, we would. Yeah, I think we came in like two seconds. It was like a second or two. Headlines. Two seconds. Silent Barry's throw, right. throwing up the, the peace sign for two seconds. Way to be self-congratulatory. <laughs> And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves Conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit marketwaves18.com to learn more about this event. That'll do it for today. 
Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck? Truck.